0: Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast.
1: The latest on shares, markets and investments. Now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be reviewing a selection of ideas for 2023. We're going to be looking at some of the key themes out there in markets as well as the tactical setup that we're seeing in equity markets currently. And to do that, we're very kindly joined by Mark Kimsey, who is the head of equities at Frederick and Oliver. Mark, welcoming you back to the podcast.
0: Good morning, Jonathan. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Mark, we spoke towards the beginning of this year. We were looking at a market at that point, which was on... Uh, a trajectory to the upside. That's, of course, continued. We had a look at your selections for 2023. We didn't really delve down into individual names too much, but we we really looked at the sector breakdown of where you saw strength, and that's something we're going to revisit again today. But I think one of the most interesting elements of our conversation previously was how you saw the markets playing out and how you should approach it from a tactical perspective when looking at the, the moves in market, looking at where we've been and looking at the economic data to, to suggest uh, whether we're going to be seeing any further sustained gains in, in equities. Now, when we spoke last time, indeed, we have increased further We've broken all-time highs on the FTSE 100 on, on numerous occasions, and we've seen a rally over in the United States, albeit in the United States not to the extent that we've seen here in the UK. So, Mark, let's start with looking at the selections for 2023. Just looking here at the list, a very strong performance there for most of the stocks. I think there's only two out of the 10 that you had uh, which are down, and you know that, that's one or two percent. But when you're looking at that list, Mark, I mean, for for you, what are the highlights from those stocks, and and are there any of those stocks that you're a little bit surprised in how much they've moved?
0: Yeah, thanks for that introduction, Jonathan. Um, the 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 picks in the report were were really just a selection of stocks that we felt had been overpunished and. The market has a great history of of doing this. When there's good news, they usually overshoot to the upside. And when there's bad news, the selling is also often overdone. And so we just looked to pick up stocks that were in the most deflated sectors. They were namely travel, um, U.S. technology, um, and, and for good reason uh, th- these are these are companies that are affected by um, interest rates um, being higher due to higher inflation, um, travel and retail often because it, uh, it rising interest rates sees people 's disposable income dwindle um, which means they 're perhaps not going to go and book a holiday or, or, or go shopping. Um, US tech had been oversold for the same reason, had a very punishing year last year into the October lows. And we just felt that maybe these had been overdone. And uh, it, it, it turns out that was correct. Uh, we've been very fortunate to be uh, dragged north by the, uh, the, the the motion of the markets, I must say.
1: So, you know, when, when we're looking at how things have panned out, Mark, I think what's going to be particularly interesting for for listeners is to hear about how your view may have changed and and maybe your approach to markets at this point because of course as highlighted in that selection you saw value at at that point there and there were there were a strong number of uh, of stocks there where where you did see this value if we fast forward you know, 4 to 6 weeks from from when we last Spoke, of course, that's a relatively short time period in the grand scheme of things. But given the the performance that we've seen in stocks, I mean, how much has your view to, to markets changed and and maybe you know how much are you now shifting your approach? I mean, are you becoming a little bit more cautious now, or are you still seeing value out there in markets?
0: uh Jonathan I'm I'm prepared to put my head on the block every time we speak because I would rather uh, I, I'd rather be accountable and uh, if I'm right I'm right and if I'm I'm wrong I'm wrong and as long as I can uh, produce some sort of justification for my opinion um I, I can only uh, say that I feel I'm right at the current time and uh well time will, will will prove whether or not um I was in fact accurate with anything that I share with uh, you guys and your listeners but you know let's rewind a bit and go back to October last year, we published a report at the time that was titled Buy Low, Sell High, which is, you know, an obvious stock market pursuit, but um, quite difficult to execute. And we touched on this last time, so I don't want to labour the point again, but to buy A stock low is desirable, but we need to remember that those low prices come when the markets are really quite embattled, actually at the point where probably you don't want to entertain buying stocks or even discuss the matter. And that's usually because one's judgment is clouded by running losses. It's quite rare that retail investors are ever wholly out of the market and sat in cash. So when those big declines come often the bottom line is an ugly one on one's portfolio. And so if you start talking about buying stocks when all the headlines are pretty miserable, that's met with an element of uh, defensiveness, and rightly so. Um, If you're losing a load of money, the last thing you want to do is exacerbate that problem by buying more things that could then go on to lose money. But it's often the case that actually, at those very painful times, one should start at the very least building uh, a a basket of stocks to put onto a watch list or keep an eye on and look back and see how they're trading versus uh, historical levels. Are they at year lows, multi-year lows? What are brokers saying? Where are we looking for a turn in the news? And at what point might these be worth picking up? And sadly, not enough people are prepared to do the work at that time they're often quite disgruntled with their portfolio and say, well, I'm not looking at that and actually distance themselves from the markets when I might counter. They should perhaps be moving towards them. So we had the buy low, sell, uh, sell high report, which was published in October. In November, we produced another one that looks at interest rate sensitive stocks, asking if those that had been punished the greatest by rising rates would stand a chance of recovering if we saw a cooling in inflation and then a lowering of interest rates. And then, of course, we had the top picks at the turn of the year. So over the last three to four months, the research guys have been very busy, but the same names keep popping up. So um, of our report in October to to cover travel, there was Wizz Air, Carnival, EasyJet, and we can relate Rolls-Royce to that industry as well. So there were four stocks um, in that travel space that were named, and the gains ranged between uh, as low as 58% on Rolls-Royce up to uh, a whopping sort of 100%, 105% on Whiz Air. So those travel stocks uh, did exceedingly well. Some of these were mentioned again in our top picks report, EasyJet, we doubled down on that's up 35% since the turn of the year. Um, but we've also um we've also mentioned carnival in the past from some of these stocks as well. So we really wanted to latch on to that travel theme, especially in light of China relaxing their COVID restrictions. It means that to my knowledge, now there's not a single travel restriction. Um, out there in in the entire world the world is open for business once again and there's pent up demand because people haven't traveled anywhere for a few years but looking at those gains of somewhere between 50 and 100 percent I am now quite cautious on that sector And, and without going into each and every stock that we've listed we've seen the same with house builders travel I've just mentioned retail again in our buy low sell high report we had asos ocado marks and spencers jd sports again gains of 50 60 70 percent um evs oil stocks uh the us technology companies as i've just touched on Nvidia's up 30 percent we've got alibaba up 57 percent baidu up 70 percent from our interest rate sensitive report of november so um i i do now um have reservations on the the current market values i personally wouldn't want to nor see clients buying stocks that have already rallied 50 60 70% because i think there's too great a risk of a pullback as you rightly mentioned earlier the footsies knocking on 8000 now it's set another record high just today if you're buying anything on an index that's trading at a record high you're certainly not buying low it doesn't mean there can't be further upside but whatever it is that you're looking at right now there's an extreme premium to be paid and i i feel like that's got potential to be a real ambush um if I was to give any guidance, um, it would be to start looking to reduce exposure rather than increase it at these levels.
1: So it's quite interesting that you mentioned there, Mark, the house builders, because yesterday analysts at Deutsche Bank slashed their ratings on the sector. There's five companies that cut their their ratings on all but one were a cut to a hold. I think the only one was cut to a sale was persimmon, which was actually the top four on the FTSE 100 yesterday. So that really echoes what you were saying there. That maybe it's not the time to sell, but it's certainly not a time to be adding in the view of, of the analysts there when they're looking at at the house building sectors. You know, when you're looking at the house builder sector there mark and, and those five companies that that were picked out i mean how much of that notion that yes we've had a strong rally but as you said we we could see further upside how much of that can be applied to other sectors and and are there other sectors within the FTSE 100 the FTSE 350 that you feel you of course you've touched there on on the on the travel companies but are there any ones apart from the ones you you've mentioned so far that could be in a situation where they've had a lot of positive news priced into them, which isn't yet being backed up by fundamentals, which could indeed set us up for a bit of volatility. And maybe there's particular sectors that you're watching that could drag the FTSE 100 lower if we see a bit of volatility going through the rest of this year.
0: Um, yeah, well, you've touched on a few things there. Let's start with the house builders. Um, I, I don't object to uh, Deutsche Bank um, revising down some of the uh, main UK house builders to a hold rating. They, they've not said get rid of the stock, but just to simply hold. And, and and rightly so. I mean, some of the UK house builders from their October lows have, have gone up uh, approximately 50%. So in recent weeks and months, they have been a buyer of these stocks, um, but they've adjusted that now to a holder of those stocks. And that reflects the increase that we've seen. Um, so I, I think that's right. Um, and, you know, that brings me to, you know, an old saying in the market, which is buy the rumour, sell the facts. Um, and I think we saw that come in with house builders, because if you go back to October, when the market was very low, these stocks had plummeted some 60 70 80 percent it was uh you know the, the selling was very harsh um but we started to get talk of and a uh, a turn in uh inflation you know the, the the rise was becoming less aggressive and then we saw what looked like a plateau in inflation and then a slight reduction month on month in inflation still very high stubbornly high but that led to the speculation that Inflation was going to call, which means that interest rates would eventually follow, which then says to the market, this stock now should be higher in the future, because the interest rate issue is going to be less of one. So tomorrow's price should be higher than today's. That equals value. Hence, the fact that all these stocks have rallied quite spectacularly in the last few months, but now we get a, a kind of uh, pigeons coming home to to, to to roost situation where the stock's gone up fifty percent, but actually interest rates are still going up, inflation is still stubbornly high. We'll we'll get another read from the U.S. today, but it, you know it, it's not going to have reduced uh, you know to one percent by any means. So now you've got. Investors and and the market generally saying, Well, have we already prematurely, because that's what the market does, priced in the future? upside for house builders and is now the time to sell. And, and, and that's what we're seeing. And that's what Deutsche Bank did. So I, I think that's fine that, that they've issued those downgrades. I don't disagree with them. Could there be further upside? Yes, of course, there's still a long way from former glory. Um, but there's been a, a lot of profit already had, as mentioned. Um, moving on to the wider market and potential pitfalls, I think we've got to keep a really close eye on the success of the China reopening. Hopefully it will be sustained and successful. The The reason it's of significance, and I'm going to butcher these statistics slightly because my memory isn't what it used to be, but something like the top 10 FTSE 100 companies by size amount to about 45% of the index weighting whilst the bottom 10 10 companies amount to about 7%. So what that means is if anybody was under the assumption that there's 100 companies and they all contribute 1% in terms of their influence over the FTSE, that is in fact totally wrong because of the size of the companies. They have more or less influence. So the top 10 by size include um, the companies that are linked to the success or failure of China because of things like commodities, be it uh, industrial metals or oil, some of the financial stocks that uh, do a lot of business in Asia, so we're talking about companies such as Shell, BP, HSBC, Rio Tinto, Antofagasta and Co. So when you throw into the mix the other miners, the other financials like Prudential and Standard Chartered, the opening of China, uh, i.e. the lifting of COVID restrictions, meant that the biggest consumer of commodities and the biggest manufacturer of just about anything was open for business once again. So stocks linked to China skyrocketed. We've seen, obviously, the success of BP and Shell in recent weeks and months. We've seen HSBC trade very healthily recently, Standard Charter boosted by Little MA Chatter as well. And we've seen companies like Glencore uh, in recent weeks hit a record high, Rio Tinto and Antofagasta not far off a record high, certainly within 10%, maybe even within 5%. And because those stocks are so influential, they've dragged that FTSE 100 up and up and up. At the bottom end of that market, actually, in the in the bottom 10, features a company like Taylor Wimpy. And the significance of that is that Taylor Wimpy could have a stonking day and be up 30%, and it's not going to move the needle on the index, whereas HSBC can be down 3% and really sort of anchor any chance of the FTSE registering gains. So we should monitor closely what's going on in China and the success of that reopening. Since they have reopened, they've experienced record COVID deaths record covid cases which i suppose was to be expected if you've been under what amounts to house arrest for a good two or three years uh, and then you'll start mingling once again i'm sure immune systems uh, are not as robust as what they once were and if there's any movement whatsoever on the uh, from the chinese government um, with reinstating any of those covid measures even if they were just small ones to start with, that would be at, w- at odds with what the market has enjoyed recently. And uh, I-, I think you'd see some some pretty aggressive selling in those stocks that have prospered.
1: So China's massive. You know, it, it, it's, you know, as you outlined there, FTSE 100 dominated by commodities, the miners, the likes of um, BP and Shell, you can see days when most stocks are down but if you see strength in bp and shell if oils up on maybe good news from from china in some circumstances you can actually see the foot 100 positive on the day so you know there there is a big distortion there from a, a, a few companies over over that market but when we're looking at the uk economy mark and, and this is something we we're just going to touch on before we We move on to to looking at some mistakes that you have seen people make in the the situation that we're in now. But when we're looking at the UK economy, we've got inflation data coming up this week. I mean, in terms of the performance of the FTSE 100 and, and the strength, I mean, it's something that I've touched on the podcast previously, that we could see a situation where the FTSE 100 breaks the record highs and the UK economy is in a recession. Now, we've broken to record highs, but from the data from the GDP that we had last week, it showed that the economy was flat in the last quarter. So that means that we avoided a technical recession by the skin of our teeth. But albeit we have broken to to so all-time highs on the FTSE 100 and that's got something to do with the weaker pound and how that boosts the overseas earnings of the likes of AstraZeneca, uh Unilever for example. Just one one final question Mark on the the markets at the moment before we before we move on. I mean how much do you feel at this point in time it's important to be a stock picker compared to you know maybe six months ago when everything was was cheap or do you think it's more of a sector story as opposed to individual names at the moment
0: um, two things. Firstly, you're right to highlight the the, the the deviation in the UK economy in the FTSE 100, and that's because the majority of the FTSE 100 constituents operate outside of the UK and have almost nothing to do with business in the UK. Uh, take Rio Tinto, for example. It's a, 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 an Australian outfit Predominantly, uh, mines in Australia sells its commodities in US dollars to mostly the Chinese. So, other than a, a plaque on the, on a door in Mayfair and uh, listing in London for the prestige of uh, being listed on the the London Stock Exchange and and reasons that would uh, be advantageous for for fundraising and so on, um, Rio Tinto could could do particularly well or badly, and it is actually. Um, of of no significance or relation to the UK economy for the most part. Um, The FTSE 250 would be a a truer reflection of what's going on in the UK economy and that index is roughly trading at 20,000 with the record being something like 24,000. So we're 20% off of the top which is probably testament to to what's going on here in the UK. Um, With regard to Stock picking, yes, you have to be. You can probably sense I'm. I'm quite cautious at the moment because we've had such a good run. Um, the old sell in May uh, and, and go away is already at the back of my mind. Um, I'm thinking about changing that. Uh, that that old adage to sell in March and go away. It doesn't rhyme, but. Um, I don't know if I want to hold on as long as May, but if the market keeps going north, I'll I'll, I'll be proved wrong. Um, but certainly when, when most things are down, and if you go back to like the COVID low of March 2020 or the financial crisis low of early 2009, then that's when really, you know, you, you could you could ask your kids to you know pick a pick a stock out of the f t like you might pick a a horse for the grand national you know the everything's got a good chance but now with the FTSE up at these dizzy heights and as I say with house builders up you know, approximately 50%, some travel listed stocks up 50 to 100, retail 50 to 100% EVs. I mean, Tesla went from $100 to $200 in January. Uh, You know, if you can get your head around that, we've got BP trading at a three year high, Shell doing something similar. So all of those oilies are very punchy. US top uh, tech stocks have rallied 50% or more, it is really becoming very difficult to find something that fits the bill of buy low, you know, which is the first part of that old uh, mantra that that we try to adhere to. So you have got to become not just selective, but I think right now, super selective. Um, I mean, the only stock that um, uh, flashed up and and, and sort of slapped me around the face again this morning was Vodafone. And um, I certainly feel like that might be worth putting on um, investor watch lists. Uh, I think the recent low was about 85p. That coincided with a sort of 20-year low as well. So can you buy low? Well, yes, at 85p, you'd struggle to have bought it any lower for two decades. So we get a little tick in that box. Um, of course, we need to you know, do some homework because the fact that it's trading low is... Um, of interest from a a purchase price situation, but also there's a, a very good reason why things trade low, and that's usually because they're somewhat embattled. So we need to see what is uh, what's hampering them, and and, and how uh, and how fixable any issues may be to release that share price back to former glory. But Vodafone, uh, like I say, 85p is the best part of a 20 year low. Um, I think it started trading this morning, somewhere in the mid 90s, 94, 95. Um, It's up about 4% today. This on news that Liberty Global um, has acquired a 5% stake in the company. Um, If we look at other major shareholders, um, there's also a a French chap uh, by the name of Javier Niel, who owns 2.5% in the company. And the uh, UAE telecoms outfit, E&, um, which I think was formerly known as Etisalat, uh, owns 13%. What's intriguing to me about this is, firstly, they've all claimed that they're not looking to make a bid. Um, of course, they would. Um, <laughs> but um, these are all experts in their field. Liberty Global is owned by US telecoms billionaire. Um Javier, who I quoted, the French billionaire, he is also a telecoms uh, player. And, of course, E& is a huge uh, Middle Eastern telecoms company as well. These guys have all been increasing their stake in Vodafone over the last few months. And if they're prepared to buy low with a view to sell high and they're probably the most informed in the industry, Um, I'm quite intrigued by their move into Vodafone. And if you also add in the fact that it's a favourable stock with the analysts, if nothing else, because of the decline that it's seen, I think the average analyst target on Bloomberg is uh, about pound twenty, which is some 25% higher. And it pays something like an 8% dividend as well at the moment. How sustainable that is, is, is questionable. But, um, you know, this is, uh, if I was to write a report now uh, of, of stocks that were in a buy low, sell high um, position, potentially, um, that list wouldn't be particularly long, but Vodafone might just make it
1: Fantastic thank you, thank you very much Mark so we're going to finish off now with i think, I think it's just something that was of interest to listeners last last uh, last time we spoke from the feedback that we that we got and it's you you work closely with a lot of clients that take a tactical approach to the FTSE one hundred so you outlined a couple of uh mistakes that people make and i think that's something that we can finish with today because the the market's changed since then and that you know people are going to be making different mistakes at this point than than they might have been doing uh, at the last time that we that we spoke so you know what what's one potential pitfall that you could highlight for the current situation that we're in at the moment that you've seen clients make in the past
0: there's there's two things really that I would I would urge investors to to consider and, and look. I, I don't have a crystal ball, so I, I could be back on here with you in a few months' time, and uh, you know be be eating my hat. Um, but I, I think that firstly, I, I would encourage um, investors to consider taking some profits here if uh, if they are sat on profitable positions. That doesn't mean you have to clear the decks and go uh, 100% cash because, of course, if the FTSE is 8,500 in a few months' time, um, then everybody will quite rightly be uh, very disappointed. But you know, m- maybe think about halving the position or trimming some of it. You know, if you, if, if you sell half, keep half. Well, the selling half has resulted in you booking a profit, so that, that's, that's never a negative. Um, but also, if the market carries on going up, you've kept some skin in the game, But if it retreats, you've only got half of the position uh, position working against you rather than all of it. So that's quite a nice have-your-cake-and-eat-it situation to perhaps sell half, keep half. Um, The other thing as well is to try not to be tempted in by the blockbuster moves that uh, that are grabbing the headlines because it takes a little while for the good news to filter through. And by the time that's picked up on... I question what opportunity remains. And I'll give you an example. Over the last few days, maybe weeks, I've had phone calls from clients saying, Mark, I've been reading all about Tesla. I'm thinking about buying some. Well, that's fine, but it's $200 and it's gone up 100% in a month. So whilst I'm not saying it can't go further because actually you go back a bit Prior to that, and it was $300. So there could be 50% upside if it's to achieve that form of glory. But, you know, my phone wasn't ringing off the hook at the beginning of the year with people wanting to buy a Tesla when it had fallen from 300 to 100 Similarly with BP and Shell, their blockbuster results, you know, they, they've, they've recorded their biggest annual profits ever. Shares have rallied. And again, Mark, BP, I'm thinking about buying some. Well, fine, it's £5.50. You go back a year or so and it was pound eighty odd. You know, again, why were you not calling me at that point? Uh, rightly so, it's not a criticism. When these stocks are on their backside, it's very miserable out there and people don't want to be getting into the market. But BP's gone up something like 200%. Tesla's gone up 100%. And now people are not even buying. They're considering buying. So after these bumper gains, I'm thinking about buying. I'd be thinking about maybe just sitting on your cash and buy next time there's a storm in a teacup and that price comes back a bit. Um, so take profits and try to resist the urge to jump into these things when the markets are high. It's pretty basic. Um, it's pretty basic stuff, but I think often overlooked when the emotion of trading the markets gets a hold of you, it it does something uh, does something to your uh, your, your 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 mind and your ability to, to to make sound uh sound judgment calls
1: indeed indeed when you get to points like this it, it's all about the psychology of things you know everybody hears all-time highs and automatically think it's a good time for stocks but as we've discussed on numerous occasions on this podcast and indeed the, the last podcast that we did if you look back historically that tends to be one of the poorer times to buy but as you said things can continue to, to grind higher. And as we look at the economic situation, there is an element of climbing a wall of worry in markets at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see how far this FTSE 100 can go on the upside, Mark. And, you know, whether the next time we speak, we, we indeed looking, looking at the, the FTSE now, we're probably going to have broken through that 8,000 level. But it'd be interesting to see how far it has gone when we speak there. So, Mark... Just as a final note to listeners in, in in the last podcast we did we had a link through to your topics uh, for 2023 that of course we we've discussed today and there's been some huge moves there you know in terms of your interests you, know, you know, just very quickly you know, where do you think that you're going to put your mind to next in terms of maybe sectors or particular themes in a, in a report that you could be putting out?
0: Um, it's a really good question, Jonathan. And um, to to be honest with you, um, I I don't know at this point, um, which is useless to you and your listeners. But um, if you ask me to, you know, to to shove some money into something at the moment, I, I'm not I'm not sure where I would put it. Um, You know, and and I I can only be transparent and and truthful with 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 you guys. Um, And 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 I think really, I would probably sit on the sideline because, you know, the the headlines are great. The market's grinding higher. um, A lot of money has been made. Um, Looking forward, I don't think that the last. Three or four months will be repeated in the next three or four months. So, can things go higher? Yes. You use the word "grind." I think that's a good, uh, a good descriptive. It could grind higher, but to me, that sort of feels like we're going to be wringing out the 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 sort of cloth of stocks for you know a five percent, a ten percent, maybe if we're lucky. Whereas, let's face it, some of the potential downside on these things, especially if. If there is a storm in a teacup, you know, we we don't need another blockbuster COVID crisis, financial crisis. We just need two or three days of worry. And for that to snowball for people to then rush for the exit in banking profits. Um, And and that in itself can just get out of hand. And and what if the FTSE quickly retreated back to 7,000? You know, that is a very respectable level, historically speaking. But you're talking about 1,000 points being wiped off the index, so what would be the relation in an average stock price decline if that happened? 20%, I might speculate. Um, you know, if the FTSE lost 1,000 points, could a £1 stock be 80 uh, I I don't think that sounds too, uh, you know, out of sync. Obviously, they'll 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 move individually and vary depending upon how defensive they are or, or how related they are to whatever the, the latest drama is. Um, but that's where you want to be buying um, on those dips. So the new report, um, I don't see one being published in the next couple of weeks. I think I'd like to digest, um, you know, the current market circumstances, uh, let some of the current themes um, mature, see where this FTSE rally takes us. uh, And I would be, uh, you know, prepping for the next buying opportunity, but um, I I don't see that being in 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 the short term.
1: Fantastic. That's great. And we look forward, Mark, to having you back on the podcast at that time. So, Mark, thank you for being with us
0: today. Thank you, Jonathan.
1: So, just a final note to listeners. That was Mark Kimsey, Head of Equities at Frederick and Oliver. Thank you very much to everyone for listening.